Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. A little later in the program, we are going to talk to a Christian refugee from Iraq who now lives in the Lansing area here in Michigan. This is part of our effort uh, to continue discussions with people who are immigrants to this country, people who are immigrants from the countries, the seven countries that Donald Trump says we ought not be taking immigrants from for a time, the seven countries where he says we should not be taking refugees. Uh, We want to make sure that people have a chance to talk about their trip to this country, their journey to this country, their journey as Americans. Uh, What did it look like? How did it feel? Uh, And what does this ban look like from their chairs? How does this affect them? How does this affect their families? How does this affect their communities? Uh, this issue is unlikely to go away anytime soon, and it is, in my opinion, uh, an altering policy. It changes the fundamental character of our nation and of uh, immigration, the thing that built this nation. And so we want to make sure that people get their voices heard here on Detroit Today uh, about this issue. One of the other reasons we're doing this, of course, is that this is the cradle of immigration from the Middle East. Uh, more immigrants from that part of the world have settled here in Michigan than any other part of the country. More Muslims from around the world are present here in Michigan than other parts of the country. And so this is our story in a way that is important. And we have a story to tell that almost no other community has to tell in Detroit today. We have decided we'll be uh, one of the important vehicles for that. So you're going to want to stay tuned to hear from uh, May Anai, who is a Christian refugee from Iraq, now lives in Lansing. It'll be about halfway through the show. But up front, uh, a federal judge from Washington state issued an injunction against President Donald Trump's travel ban uh, with seven seven Muslim-majority countries. The injunction allowed people who already had approval to come here to once again plan to arrive here. The Department of Justice, on behalf of the president, appealed the injunction but was rejected. That means a lot of people who have already been vetted to come here are rushing to get here while the ban is lifted. That's a sort of new kind of chaos that has unfolded in the wake of what Donald Trump did. Uh, President Trump called the judge from Washington a, quote, so-called judge over the weekend and said if any terrorist attack happens in the United States while this injunction is in place, well, blame the judge Don't blame the president. Joining us now to talk about this latest development in this story is Robert Sedler, a professor of law at Wayne State University. Robert, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. Absolutely. So uh, let's start with the president's comments about what happened over the weekend. Uh, he was highly critical of the, of the judge that uh, that did this. He was highly critical of perspective, uh, you know, uh, invitation of a terror attack, as he would uh, say it, uh, that, that he believes this this injunction invites. Uh, talk about that relationship, though, between uh, the executive branch and the judiciary branch. A lot of people really outraged about the things, the particular things that the president said. Uh, but when I sort of go back into my memory and uh, my knowledge of history, I can think of lots of times when the president was want, was doing something or wanted to do something, the judiciary stood in the way, and the president didn't have very nice things to say about you know, that. One of, uh, 
of President Trump's uh, heroes is Andrew Jackson. Yes. And when the Supreme Court issued an order that the president acted illega- uh, illegally with respect to the Cherokee Indians, I believe that was the case, uh, Jackson said, John Marshall made his decision, now let him enforce it. Uh, Roosevelt invade against the court in the 1930s when it was striking down New Deal, uh, New yeah. Deal legislation and so forth. But it doesn't really matter. There's no such thing as a so-called federal judge any more <laughs> than there is a so-called president. Right. <laughs> uh, once a judge uh, has been uh, nominated by the president and confirmed by the Senate, it is a judge of the United States District Court. And, it, and on that court... The judge exercises the judicial power of the United States. And ever since Marbury versus Madison in 1803, it is settled that the federal judiciary is supreme in the exposition of the law of the Constitution. Yeah. It is significant that, unlike Andrew Jackson, uh, President Trump has followed the ruling even while the Justice Department is appealing it. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, there's also a difference here, I think, between uh, what the president said over the weekend about this ruling and, and this judge and what he said uh, earlier about a judge's, during the campaign, about another judge's uh, heritage. That was, uh, that was a personal attack uh, and, and a racially tinged one. I'm sorry, it's still there, Bob? Yep, I think we lost Bob there. We're going to try to get him back. Uh, in the meantime, uh, let's open up the phones. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. If you want to join the conversation, we are talking about the ban uh, that Donald Trump put in place for immigrants from seven nations for a short time. Uh, a ban against refugees from uh, those nations coming here. Uh, and a judge over the weekend in Washington state said, yeah, we're not going to do that. You cannot, uh, you cannot uh, enact that kind of uh, ban in that way. We should also point out that the judge who did this in Washington state, uh, lots of people are, uh, lots of people are criticizing that judge for what he did. But this is the judge who was appointed to the bench by George W. Bush. This is a Republican. This is not some uh, Clinton appointee or Obama appointee. It's somebody who believes that the rule of law says you may not uh, you may, may not issue an executive order that does this. Uh, so what do you think of that? What do you think of what the judge has said? What do you think of what uh, Donald Trump has said about that judge? Uh, do you think this is do you think this is headed for the U.S. Supreme Court? That was going to be my next question for Robert Sedler. Uh, is are we headed for a, a massive showdown over this issue uh, at the Supreme Court? And what do you think the Supreme Court might do? This is a Supreme Court that has surprised some conservatives about uh, its willingness to push back uh, against conservative ideology. So again, uh, join us on the phones, 313-577-1019. 313-577-1019 is the number. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and uh, put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, uh, and we'll try to work your comments into 
the conversation. The, the, the bigger questions here are about how much faith you have uh, in the system of checks and balances that we have. The Constitution sets up uh, lots of ways that the judiciary can check the executive, that Congress can check uh, the executive. Uh, these are things that, that we talk about all the time in this country and how those play out, which side is more important. Uh, uh, this is just a, a recent iteration of uh, that strain, that dynamic that has been in place since Marbury versus Madison uh, in the early 1800s. Uh, I think we have Robert Sedler back with us. Is that right? I'm back. Ah, there you are. All right, Robert uh, Sedler. But anyhow, I'm sorry we got cut off. Yeah, go problem. <laughs> I had my end on a different phone. But basically, the judge rendered the decision. See, the real question initially, uh, revolves around different categories. Clearly, people who are admitted for permanent residence, the green card people, right. uh, are entitled to be admitted, and the uh, Trump administration quickly changed that. The difficult category, the people who have been vetted, who have been given a visa, and who have arrived at a port of entry, they have a right to a hearing to determine if they're entitled to be admitted. But there's another provision in the law that gives the president the power to suspend admission. So a question for the court is which provision of the law applies. Uh, but they have the best chance of getting admitted. Yeah. When it comes to people who have not been yet vetted, I mean, there's a ban... There, the claim is one of religious discrimination, and that is a constitutional claim, and that that gets very complicated. Yeah, uh, let's talk about where this case will will end up. I mean, I think at this point we've had enough. We've had a number of rulings around the country on this ban. It does seem like the kind of issue that will perhaps end up in the lap of the U.S. Supreme Court, which of course introduces its own drama, uh, given that right now there are only eight justices uh, on the Supreme Court, uh, and presumably this could get there before uh, Neil Gorsuch, uh, who is President Trump's nominee. Right. It's not going to be, uh, be uh, it will not be decided, assuming it's decided this term, right. at least the motion for a stay, this will be before a new justice is confirmed. Right. Right. So, so let's talk about what this issue looks like at that level with the with the eight justices that we have. Uh, what what chance does this constant this uh, this ban have to survive constitutional scrutiny? In your all right, opinion? unlike a lot of political type people, I don't try to psych out the court. <laughs> right. I did it as a lawyer, as you know, when I was litigating before the marriage equality case. We always assumed that we would get. Justice Kennedy right. as the fifth justice, and we did. But this is really an issue that transcends ideology. It is an issue about presidential power. You know, you recall during the Bush administration, there were four decisions going against President Bush's assertion of executive power in the war on terrorism. Right. I honestly don't think that this is going to be an ideologically-based decision. Uh, it's going to depend on what happens in the lower court. For example, 
if there is a finding that the ban was enacted with an intent to discriminate against Muslims, then the question for the court is a constitutional one. Is that finding supportable? Right. That's very different than a question of presidential authority. I don't think there's any doubt that the president has the authority to ban immigration from abroad. The question is whether this is discriminatory. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Robert Sedler, professor of law at Wayne State University. We are talking about this weekend's news regarding the immigration ban that Donald Trump put into place uh, a week ago. Uh, a Washington State federal judge says uh, it's got to stop for now and that uh, we've got to sort of reexamine the constitutionality of that. Uh, an example of the checks and balances that exist in our system of government. What do you think about what the judge from Washington said about the president in the other Washington, Washington, D.C.? What do you think about this whole idea of the ban that President Trump wants to have in place? 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDT Facebook page, put your comments there. Or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work your comments into the conversation. Jackie Doan on Twitter says, It's absolutely appropriate that a Republican-appointed judge block the order. Judges shouldn't be partisan. Uh, also, uh, Maria, who called and could not stay on the phone, says, President Trump may not even understand our system of checks and balances. I think one of the things that's entirely Possible again. If you want to join the conversation, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number. Three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. Bob, I want to ask you about Gorsuch, Neil Gorsuch, who is the nominee uh, right. to be the next Supreme Court justice. Uh, this is someone who's been around a while, done he's some been, things. Uh, he's been around, indeed. He is a conventional conservative. I've said he's not a flamethrower. He's not said things like. Roe v. Wade is a terrible decision. Uh, it should be overruled. You know, under the Constitution, the president shall nominate, and with the advice of the Senate, shall appoint judges of the Supreme Court. Uh -huh. I think it was wrong for the Senate to uh, refuse to consider uh, President Obama's uh, nominee to the court, but that's, that's over now. And certainly, uh, they're going to bring to the floor... Uh, the nomination, I, I as a, as you know, I, for me as a partisan Democrat and an ideological liberal, <laughs> I'm not happy that President Trump is getting to uh, fill the appointment. But I can see no principled objection to uh, Judge Gorsuch as the appointee. Now right. the Democrats may want to get back at Trump for uh, the way the Senate uh, did uh, Obama's nomination. Uh, but uh, in terms of the nominees, the conventional conservative is probably going to vote conservative on those relatively few cases. They're important ones right. where you have high-profile uh, high constitutional issues where ideology makes a difference. He probably will be a reliable conservative vote. But, you know, justices have their own view of things. Justice Scalia was a conservative when it came to rights of persons accused of crime, but he was a strong supporter of the Sixth Amendment yes. with the right to jury trial, the right to confront 
witnesses. Um, Gorsuch has found some cases where there was a violation of the Fourth Amendment's guarantee of searches and seizures. I mean, not everything is ideological, not everything is predictable, but uh, I simply would say that uh, Judge Gorsuch is a reliable, conventional conservative, uh, and it's difficult to see any reason for opposing him except because he is a conservative. Right. Uh, you know, one of the things I think is interesting about Judge Gorsuch, and, and this is complete sort of speculation on my part, and it's, it's sort of uh, get that out there up front. I think if you look at where he has been and what he's done, uh, clerking for Justice White, clerking for Justice Kennedy, the fact that he sits on the Tenth Circuit uh, and not, for instance, the Fifth uh, or the Eleventh, uh, the, the the sort of deeply conservative uh, circuits that 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 exist out there, I, there's a part of me that sees a justice who's going to be a little bit different from what. Some of the conservatives may even think uh, is going to happen. Um, the, 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 all of the justices, of course, change and they sort of morph a little when they're on the on the bench because it looks different from that side of things. But but I think I see in Gorsuch the possibility for more movement, perhaps than we have seen from some of the other justices. Well, as I said, every justice has his or her own views of things. Justice Scalia, I use him as an example because he is you know, portrayed as very conservative. And as I said, he had his views about the Sixth Amendment. He believed that it was unconstitutional to hold an American citizen indefinitely at Guantanamo, that the government had to either charge the person with the crime or, or let him go. Uh, and I'm sure that if Judge Gorsuch is confirmed, as I think he will be, he will have his own views on particular issues, yeah. but he is basically conservative, yes. much along the lines of uh, Justice uh, Alito and Justice uh, Scalia. They're all very different from Justice Thomas, who has some very far-out views that yeah. don't command anybody else on the no, court. I mean, he's, he's, not, he's not like that. No, he's a I believer in natural law, which doesn't he's have very another... very close to, to yeah. Justice Alito, but expect expect a conservative vote on these high high profile issues whatever that means yeah uh, let's go to the phones here we got a couple of people who want to uh, participate in this conversation let's go to David and St. Clair Shores welcome to hey, the good morning, today Stephen. hey how are you I'm doing well thanks um, just regarding uh, this executive order the Muslim ban and everything uh-huh. um, I recent I read a piece uh, in the Times not too long ago about former uh, Vice President Joe Biden and basically a quote in it was advice he was given that you question someone's motives, you question someone's judgment, not their motives. And I'm trying to do that, is acknowledging that we live in such a hyper-partisan sure. time. I'm pretty hyper-left myself. <laughs> and I look, at, uh, I look at what Trump has done here, and, uh, you know, he's a complete amateur in every sense of the public policy you know, words, education experience. Um, and when you look at who he's surrounded himself with, uh, it's very hard for me to not judge the motives of a Steve Bannon <laughs> because sure. I've, you know, plowed through um, Breitbart blogs, not even calling them journalism. Uh, and, I mean, just th- that 
that mouthpiece in the White House uh, to a complete amateur like Trump, you know, I'm not super surprised by these uh, what is coming out to be yeah. pretty big missteps in the first. Yeah, month, I mean, I think uh, that's a uh, David. That's a great. That's a great point. Thank you for calling and making it. Before I let you go, uh, Bob, uh, talk about the the clumsiness of this kind of order. There, there was certainly a way to do the things that the president says he wants to do, which is to tighten vetting of immigrants from from places where there are. Uh, instabilities and and sort of terrorist groups. There was a way to do that without stumbling into this major constitutional question that well, we have on the table. The worst thing that Trump can be criticized for was not informing the Secretary of the Homeland Security about what he was doing. Absolutely, absolutely. But there's a, there's a broader point, and the uh, the listeners' comments very much reflect this. In a parliamentary system. Someone does not get to be a party leader and the prime minister uh, until the par- person has had years of experience proving that person's ability. We elect the president independently. There's no requirement of experience. There's nothing. <laughs> it's simply who a majority of the electors, and I emphasize the electors, sure. 306 of them, voted for Donald Trump. And uh, you are seeing someone who, was, who, who ran on a ground that I am non-political. I am different. I'm a very, very successful businessman, and I'm going to bring big change to the office of, of president. So it should not be surprising that President Trump carries, uh, carries out his duties in a manner similar to the way he did as a high-powered businessman. Business business. I don't think that works, yeah. but that is what he's been doing, and I think we can expect more of that. Yeah. Okay, Robert Sedler, professor of law at Wayne State University, as always, thanks for joining us on Detroit Today. Up next, uh, we're going to continue our series of conversations with uh, locals who came to America as refugees. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. 313-577-1019 is the number. We'll be right back on Detroit Today.